Hello and welcome to the Miko Bits show and I'm your host Miko Bits and today we have an exciting guest which is Jeffrey Zerlin from Axie Infinity which is a very exciting non-fungible token game uh, so it's a blockchain game and it involves effectively sort of pet and creature battling scenario so it has kind of a genetic heritage kind of in the pokemon type family and uh you know it's very very popular so you know it's exciting popular and you know really looking forward to hearing uh from from jeffrey uh you know before we get into it uh you know just note that this is a information and entertainment show it's not intended to be investment advice so uh you know that's just as always uh, seek a licensed professional for investment advice so um i guess without further ado uh, here's jeffrey hey Hey, Miko. Thanks for the invite. Really excited to be here. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, I guess first things first, like, you know, there may be people in the audience that haven't heard of Axie Infinity that maybe have been living in a cave. So, you know, for people like that, uh, you know, maybe you can help them uh, understand uh, Axie. Sure. So Axie is a movement dis uh, disguised as a digital pet game. So the game itself centers and revolves around battling, collecting these kind of adorable monsters called Axies. I think the secret sauce is that we carefully structure the economy and basically using blockchain, which allows our players to earn crypto by playing. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, there's this been this phenomena around this concept of play to earn where people are feeding their families during the pandemic and uh, playing Axie Infinity. I think that's, you know, kind of what what's made us, uh, you know, kind of what's helped us make a name for ourselves so far. And we've also seen Axies, um, you know, become a very highly coveted collector's item. And with some axes selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, we had a guest, uh, Gabby, who is the CEO of YGG, or Yield Guild Gaming, which is a guild that's mostly dedicated to playing Axie. And it's mostly dedicated to playing it on the play to earn basis. So the membership is mostly in the Philippines and in Indonesia. And people there are earning hundreds of dollars a week playing Axie Infinity. And they're definitely doing what you described. They're, they're feeding their families. And, you know, it's a bit like driving an Uber, only you're not actually driving a physical object. You're driving virtual objects. So that's, that's kind of a fun twist. Tell me about the uh, sort of the gameplay, like uh, what, you know, t tell, tell us like if for someone who hasn't checked it out, like, you know, what, what's, what's mm -hmm. the draw for the game? So the idea behind Axie is that it's not just one game. It's going to be an entire universe of games. Uh, what we currently have out is a battle card battling game. It's kind of similar. Uh, it's not actually similar to anything, but uh, yeah, you can kind of, uh, play different cards. Uh, each Axie has six different body parts, and those body parts oh, wow. actually correspond to different cards. Um, and uh, yeah, so the battles are 3v3. You can battle uh, against other players, the, um, which in real time, there's a leaderboard with actually with, you know, rewards. We've given out things like uh, Ave tokens, uh, Kyber network tokens, real gold um, in the form of gold back tokens from Digix, and also our governance token, uh, which basically is kind of a slice or part of our universe. And 
Yeah, so we also have, uh, we're also ha have a land system under development, which will basically allow you to build a kingdom for these. When uh, for these can people buy land? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, uh, people have been buying and selling land for a while now, um, kind of in anticipation and to get ready for the launch um, of, of land. We actually did a seven day demo in December, which I think, you know, people were really excited about. And so, yeah, that's that's another really uh, important aspect uh, to the game. There's also the kind of biological aspect to the game where uh, we try and, you know, axes are uh, they have their own genetic code and, and you're able to actually breed breed axes. That's part of actually what balances the economy is that we have this breeding system. But uh, in order to actually breed an axe, you need to use these potions and those potions can actually only be earned by playing the game. We don't actually sell them, right? Like a conventional or a mainstream game studio might sell them themselves and try to monetize that way. Um, but we don't we don't sell them. And if so, if anyone wants them, they have to get them from Uniswap or now Binance. Um, and that's one, that's one of the things that's kind of fueled this idea of play to earn where basically we don't step into certain markets. Um, we leave them totally up to the players. And I think when you give players uh, autonomy um, and the right to control, you know, one of the markets around the game. And, you know, you don't force them to kind of have to do black market um, deals or use trusted third party sites uh, where, you know, we build the marketplace ourselves. And um, when so basically when, when you let them have that, a lot of really interesting behaviors begin to emerge. So as far as the DNA and the biology, the breeding, uh, you know, all of this kind of has like a bit of a crypto kitties type of a vibe to it, other than the obviously the, the pet battling construct. But like, you know, the reproductive piece sounds a little bit like that. Yeah. So crypto kitties is a big inspiration for us. Uh, you know, a lot of the founders of Axie, we actually met each other playing crypto kitties. So I think one of the awesome things about what Dapper did there was they created, you know, basically the first kind of interesting non-fungible token community. Uh, so there were a lot of people that met playing that met playing CryptoKitties that were really interested in, you know, what does this new paradigm of ownership mean? What does the future look like? And I think Axie is partly a response to that question. And um, yeah, that you know, so yeah, I met. Uh, Trung, our, uh, our, you know, the basically the creator of Axie, um, uh, playing Crypto Kitties. I met Alexander, uh, who's also you know co-founder of Axie. Um, he's our COO, playing playing Crypto Kitties. How fun! And so that's really amazing. Uh, so so tell me a little bit about kind of the motivation and the origin of the. I mean, obviously you got went back to Crypto Kitties and you were all playing that. You know, so how did how did this evolve from there? Yeah, so I think one of the, you know one of the things that people really wanted in the early days of blockchain gaming was a fun game, yeah. <laughs> something uh, that was just beyond the pure collectible. We thought, hey, if we can make a fun game um, with you know IP that's cute and adorable, like poke something like Pokemon or Tamagotchi, something like the games that we grew up loving, then we'd have a real shot at introducing the world to blockchain technology. We knew that it could work because a lot of us had never been interested in actually using blockchain. 
before we learned about, uh, you know, non-fungible tokens, right? So we assumed that, hey, like, you know, if, we, if it happened for us, it could happen for way more people. We just probably happened to be like the first generation of this. So. Yeah, that's fascinating. So, uh, you know, interested to try to understand, you know, where, where, um, you know, where do you see this going? Because, you know, I think you're talking about kind of the early days, you know, so how, what's the future? Yeah, so what we're seeing is that the world is becoming increasingly digital. And I think in the future, there's there are going to be kind of digital nation states where people live, work and play. And I think that, you know, we want Axie to be one of those uh, to be one of these burgeoning digital nations, right? So we're already starting to see people making friends, socializing, uh, creating businesses, while also, of course, having fun uh, in the Axie universe, right? So we have the kind of, we have a lot of the motivations and a lot of the things that you need, um, you know, to employment, uh, social connections, um, fun. Um, now it's about, you know, I think scaling up the experience, making it more fun, making it more accessible uh, to everybody. Um, and yeah, you know, expanding upon the benefits. We see that Axie right now, play to earn works really well in certain areas of the world, Philippines, Indonesia, Venezuela. Also, Uber drivers, while they're, they're, while they're waiting for their next ride to come, people who work in retail and it's very slow. Right. So one, I think one of the interesting things is people using Axie as a supplement to their own income um, while they're already working a job where, you know, they might have some extra time on their hands. Anyway, so I think it's about, you know, scaling play to earn, making the game more fun and, and making the technology more accessible. So we're also, you know, at uh, Sky Mavis, or, uh, Sky Mavis um, is basically the creator of Axie Infinity. One of our, and, you know, one of the things that we do is actually build the infrastructure uh, that allows blockchain games to um, kind of penetrate a different, a different uh, user profile, um, you know, so someone who might not be as crypto native and familiar with the technology. That's amazing. So tell me about kind of what do you see as being the biggest sources of friction and, and how would you optimize? Like what, what would your dream user interaction model be? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, right now, very obviously, Ethereum gas has been really high, right? So our players right now on Ethereum, they're competing with arbitrage bots, sophisticated financial institutions, um, you know, for basically block space. And that's pushing up, you know, basically the cost of playing the game really high. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, just, you know, basically having having the, I think games are not a good fit for being on the base layer, right? So that's actually what we're building an Ethereum sidechain called Ronin, specifically for Axie Infinity. Um, there are also, you know, issues around uh, wallets, you know, there's no social login, uh, custody is really difficult. Um, we're starting to see this. Actually, a lot of our players, uh, they, they've never used the wallet, you know, a digital wallet before. They often, you know, lose their funds. They lose their private key. Yeah. They get scammed. They give it to someone who messages totally. them in the Discord. Yep. So it's, it's a good sign. Um, it's obviously very painful for these people, to, you know, for when they learn. But it's actually a great lesson to learn. And you, I think usually with very small amounts. Um, but it's a good sign that, you know, a new generation is coming in and uh, making the mistakes that we all made um, at one point or learning the lessons um, that we all did. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, there are, all, there are also a lot, you know, a lot of frictions around wallets um, and, uh, and yeah, but. 
So I would say that those are the, those are the two main ones. But I also we do believe in you know basically making the benefits so high that people are banging down, banging on the door to get in, right? And so right now I think the main the main issue is kind of scalability of transactions, um, which has been something that yeah has you know is as old as the space itself, right? Like uh, <laughs> it's gas spiked in yep. December 2017 um, when you know when we all found out about blockchain games as well. So. Yeah, that's definitely a big struggle. Yeah, so uh, with respect to kind of like uh, reaching out to new players and new player base, like, you know, how do you see the growth of this? I mean, obviously you're developing new features for usability, which I think is pretty big. Like, do you have kind of growth plans? Like, how do you see this expanding? You know, what's the geographic footprint? And like, where, where do you see the next users coming from and you know how many users do you have and you know in how do you how many do you imagine are coming yeah yeah so a lot of questions in there so there are there are 28,000 people who own axes and there are around 15 to 18,000 people who submit on-chain transactions each month playing axie so I, we're i believe you know we're the number one blockchain game by monthly active users um, and we're one of the top uh, applications on Ethereum uh, in general, like, you know, just even even including, you know, basically finance applications. Uh, so, yeah, what we've seen is that we have a very, you know, when we have product market fit with a demographic, we get a high, very high uh, kind of viral coefficient there, right? So right now, we I believe that we have product market fit in certain areas of the world. Um, and then not so much in other areas, right? So how so, do you see that? Like, how do you, how would you say, like, which areas of the world would you say there's a fit and, you know, and what's, what's, yeah, what's so, the comp? So right now we're seeing a lot of, you know, we're seeing uh, big growth um, with players in the Philippines, Indonesia, Venezuela, right? Because, you know, you're able to earn, you know, kind of an hourly wage um, by playing Axie, which is competitive and many cases much larger than, you know, the average wage uh, in those countries. And so I think in the, you know, so yeah, so, so I think scaling that and so scaling that is, is really important. That's, you know, why we have the governance token where, you know, we'll all be allowing players to actually earn a piece of the universe um, by playing. Um, I think it's also, yeah, you know, getting more sponsorships uh, involved so that, you know, they're actually, uh, we see ourselves as kind of a user aggregation, uh, a user aggregation, uh, mechanism for things like DeFi, right where we have a lot of we have a proven committed community um and if and if and, and if they want to kind of share their products with our community they can kind of become sponsors so there are different ways basically to scale play to earn i also think it's about making the game more fun right now we know that the game is you know people will play the game if you if you know they can they can earn a little bit of money um, I also think it's about, you know, increasing the amount of fun, the competitiveness, um, and, uh, and yeah, so I, th I think that's really key as well. That's interesting. Do you guys have a mindset or methodology around kind of increasing fun? Like, how do you measure it or do you measure it at all? Or how do you think about making something more fun? What, 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 what's, what, what, how do you think, what is fun? <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess I guess that's 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 interesting. So I think you know we go through internal testing, right? So a lot of our a lot of our uh, team, you know, they're not blockchain gamers. They don't really know much about blockchain in general, uh, especially you know, for example, our art team. But a lot of them are gamers, right? That's why they they wanted to work at a game company. So uh, yeah, I think you know basically you know if if we if we have you know, non-blockchain natives trying out the game, um, you know, both on our, from within our team or friends and family, and they're saying, and, you know, they're having a lot of fun and, um, you know, the retention numbers are good. And then, you know, and they're smiling a lot. Um, yeah, I, th I think, you know, that's, that's, one, that's one measure. Well, that's good. I, I think that's what, those are all fair ways of looking at, at fun and how, how fun where fun comes from so uh that's interesting and how, how so your your goal is to kind of increase the fun level so you can kind of penetrate new markets and kind of get a bigger audience basically yeah i think it's about you know increasing the fun increasing play to earn um you know making the in the community i think one of the one of the reasons that people stay as well as the community so continuing to empower and reinforce that um and just educate like i think you know, we're, we're on the path, we're on the path. Uh, you know, what we've seen is that growth for the first two years was very slow and steady. And then around July, we hit this kind of exponential uh, growth growth phase. So, you know, what I think what you see is that, you know, basically slow and steady over a long enough period of time eventually goes uh, exponential. It just, you know, the market needs to mature, the technology needs to mature. And, uh, you know, obviously we wanna be part of the, part of that trend. Um, but some of it is just, I think, you know, staying alive, <laughs> uh, believing, um, and and uh, I think good things happen. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. I think that when you see, like, for example, uh, what Rovio did with Angry Birds in traditional mobile gaming, you know, like they were very patient and they spent like 10 years kind of building and investing in their games and their capabilities. And, you know, then they suddenly had this kind of like overnight success that wasn't very overnight you know it was, it was just this huge hit and you know so i think mm -hmm. that's exciting to hear that you're kind of like you know starting to hit like the growth phase of axie and you know it's a it's clearly a game that a lot of like effort has been put into it's a very attractive game and the you know game creatures are very imaginative and you know they're very appealing so you know i think that there's it definitely makes sense that people would want to invest here uh well, good. Uh, let's zoom back a little bit to the bigger picture of like uh, DeFi. So how do you see something like uh, Axie fitting into the sort of DeFi universe? Like I know that like Delphi Digital is working on kind of tokenomics and governance token dynamics. And there's a there's a bunch of really interesting DeFi elements to the Axie world. But, you know, I'd love to kind of hear your DeFi perspectives. Yeah, so I think that Axie is a great, so when we talk about introducing blockchain uh, and educating blockchain uh, and educating our users about blockchain, um, I think one of the things that we're really proud to have introduced them to are some of these decentralized finance uh, protocols. For example, Uniswap, right? Uh, our users, most of our users used Uniswap for the first time to, you know, basically buy and sell uh, small love potions, which are an in-game currency. Yep. Um, and then there were a lot of people who, you know, Uniswap did an airdrop to anyone who used the protocol yep. back in September. So there were a lot of Axie players who got thousands of dollars, some in some cases, life-changing money. Um, 
be you know based on their lo locality um just you know just for uh playing axie infinity a lot i think the funny thing is that a lot of our users were th personally thanking us they thought that uniswap was actually part of axie and that we built it for the game um <laughs> so i think that kind of illustrates that you know we're, we are dealing with you know people who have never really used these things before and um, they're learning a lot so i think axie is a great way to get in to get involved to learn about these projects and um, to access some of these uh, uh, types of uh, financial services, basically. Yeah, it's nice. Um, I, I, yeah, I just I generally see decentralized finance as the recreation of all financial services on top of Ethereum, um, which by nature makes them borderless and accessible to everyone. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know DeFi is a really exciting trend. Um, I think that it's unlocking. You know, it, it when when you merge it with uh, with blockchain games, you you know do do interesting things to liquidity, uh, liquidity of collectibles, liquidity of in-game resources, um, and I think yeah, exactly. Liquidity is you can actually see adoption uh, as a as co very correlated with you know the liquidity uh, of assets in your ecosystem. For example, we didn't see product market fit um, until. You know, the, basically there, there uh, existed a certain amount of liquidity for small love potions on Uniswap. Yeah. So um, in the future, it's like, I think games will, you know, look at the liquidity for their in-game resources as, you know, something to use their marketing budgets on, for example, rather than just like, you know, wasting it on Facebook ads and things like that. You know, you're actually pouring it directly into the ecosystem um, kind of uh, as a as a bonus for early adopters or players to, to try out your game. Yeah, liquidity, I think, is increasingly being well understood as being kind of the sort of lubricant for all financial activity, right? So I think people are really understanding that liquidity providers, you know, should be incentivized because that's really the life's blood of any financial system. So, you know, I think it's a it's fascinating to see these things all evolving in the world of DeFi. Yeah, so also you mentioned Delphi Digital. They, so Delphi helped yep. um, and helped us design uh, the token uh, for Axie Infinity. It's called the Axie Infinity Shards or Axis. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the the token uh, is heavily inspired by some of the most you know in, uh, ingenious uh, kind of DeFi tokens out there. For example, Synthetics. So with so with Axis, you can actually stake the token to earn rewards from the treasury. The treasury is accumulated, uh, or is yeah, is an accumulation of all the uh, fees uh, in this in the ecosystem. So there's a breeding fee. There's a 4.25 percent marketplace uh, marketplace fee, um, and then also uh, primary sales will accumulate in there. And there's also staking rewards, right? So basically, creating some reason so that when in the future players earn uh this token you know they'll they won't just you know want to sell it on uniswap they'll actually want to stake it um lock it up and then earn rewards and then you know that kind of you know keeps them around and i think is a, is a far healthier uh, mindset than just either okay i'm gonna either use this or i'm gonna uh sell it and there needs to be the basically an interesting mechanism around holding and depositing the token that's so, fascinating uh, yeah, LP, uh, so go ahead, go ahead. 
Oh yeah, sorry. So yeah, Del so Delphi helped us a lot around that. And so I think also, yeah, that's another way that we see DeFi's influence in Axie is through, you know, these uh, basically experiments around token design and, you know, how they've kind of uh, influenced the creation of our, of our own native token. Now it's exciting, right? Because in essence, the governance token itself and the mechanics around it, including staking, become almost part of a dynamic metagame, right? And so in a sense, like what can happen is, is not only can Axie players and others kind of participate and involve themselves in the governance of the Axie ecosystem, but as well, like they can elevate that, right? That that can become part of an additional mechanic that is a game that transcends the battling of Axie pets and it becomes a, you know, a completely separate game universe, right? It's the Axie governance game. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, there, there are probably some people who will just make it their goal to accumulate as much of the token as possible by playing the game. Right. And yep. that harkens or kind of, uh, you know, it reminds us of uh, ready player one, right. Where they, uh, you know, you're through the Easter egg hunt, um, Parsifal is on a quest to basically earn the entire game, right? That game, that is like a winner takes all game. Yeah. Whereas, you know, what we're doing is, yes, we're giving away more than half of the game, uh, but it's kind of through our community, through all these different distribution mechanisms, um, rather than one kind of winner takes all like grand quest. Um, I think obviously is, I think, more realistic, right? Yeah, of course. And I, but I like the allusion to the building of the metaverse economy. Like, you know, we, we definitely see uh, a bunch of folks kind of playing along those lines. The Animoca brands folks, like they're definitely thinking about this and obviously Sandbox and there are other environments too that are kind of uh, adjacent that, that have this kind of mind mentality, right? So sort of building the economy of the metaverse, right? And building this ready player one style of like economic, uh, I guess you described it as a nation, right? So it's sort of a digital nation and a digital nation that people uh, establish citizenship at some level. Yeah. I mean, I, we're, we're already seeing, right? Even since the last time we spoke <laughs> last week, yeah. uh, we've, we've seen that it's becoming... I think increasingly a trend where people now, you know, they, they're starting to lose, lose connection to, you know, where they might've uh, been born. Right. Or uh, basically these, uh, these yeah. forced, these forced connections, right? Like I, we, we, there needs to be, I think we're seeing the rise of opt-in nation states where you might feel more like an Ethereum. You might feel more closely connected to other members of the Axie community than you are to people who just happen to have been born in the same country as you, right? So I think one of the trends is that, yeah, these these uh, you know digital environments allow us to choose who we associate with and connect with and um, you know basically ally ally ourselves with rather than just you know being like our ancestors limited to the people who happen to live close to us which is kind of an arbitrary distinction right there's some fascinating precedent for this right for example if you look at the um estonia 
like uh, e-passport or e-government identity project, right? You can really just very cheaply avail yourself of government identity in Estonia and you can start to kind of avail yourself of additional government services, right? So the thing that becomes really interesting is, you know, how do these kinds of precedents actually manifest, you know, and how do nationalized kind of geographic governments start to kind of also play with this elasticity, right? Because I think, you know, mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of fairly innovative experiments, um, you know, some of which are maybe a little bit more kind of I'd say blatantly economic, right? They, things like you can buy citizenship in certain countries for a certain amount of money, you know. But but, you know, I with, think with with uh, with Ethereum protocols, you're paid to become a citizen, right? <laughs> At least right now, right? So they're they're literally uh, with certain DeFi protocols, for example, and liquidity mining. Um, you know, it's kind of like a investment visa, but you're actually you know paid. Uh, uh, These are fairly yeah. radical ideas, though. And the reason why I want to suggest that is that the thing that's fascinating. So I recently was watching a video um, and it was Ray Dalio and Ray Dalio was saying that today governments are behaving more like corporations and corporations are behaving more like governments, you know, and I think that in a way he's pointing towards kind of a more nebulous future. And in a way it's a bit like the Ready Player One future in that it's slightly dystopia. It's a dystopic future, right? So the thing that's complex about the emerging landscape that you're describing is this kind of emergence of a meta uh construct, you know, that that is like a nation state, right? So one of the fascinating things that has been sort of reserved in terms of the nation state has been several things, right? I would say several things involve, so minting of a currency, right? So that was one thing that defined the existence of a sovereign, right? Which is like, oh, uh, uh, if you're a sovereign, then why don't you print your own money? And it's like, well, we have, right? So that's done, that, that wall has mm. been broken. But the second and third things to look for are things like the ability to levy taxes. Right, that's one that you can look at and you can be like, oh, that's interesting. But the third thing that I think is really foundational to the establishment of a global sovereign is really to monopolize the use of force over a geographic territory, right? That's uh, including things like fielding an army, right? So uh, the reason why these types of things are kind of really interesting is that like when people start talking about things like Facebook, you know, Facebook is working on issuing its own currency through the, uh, you know, the Libra slash DM uh, foundation, right? So that's the, that's the idea that they're going to create the DM currency, right? But the thing that I'm finding to be fascinating is that at some level, Facebook actually has started creating an end run around the idea of taxes, and and I'll tell you why is is what's happened between Facebook and Google is in some ways that these Facebook, Google and Twitter and other social media companies are starting to choke the air supply from the organic Internet. Right. They're starting mm -hmm. to shape traffic in a way that requires users to pay them to advertise in order to have visibility on their on their platforms, right? So the thing that's really fascinating about that is that that's effectively taxation. It's an effectively mm -hmm. a, a paradigm of taxation, which is if you want to exist on the internet, AKA exist, you kind of have to pay these channels in order to get visibility because they're going to slowly choke out all of the organic 
visibility, right? They're, they're, you know, because why, why would they allow organic visibility when people are paying them, right? So they'll always preferentially treat that visibility. But the thing that's really fascinating that had that the last wall that hasn't been breached yet is that none of these corporations has yet to field like a private military. So that that's that we haven't seen that yet. It's probably likely, right? Is like <laughs> that's they might, scary. They might uh, use it as like, oh, like you know, we're protecting ourselves from rioters, right? No, I mean, um, if you look at, I believe people that people are so angry at them right now. So I believe that the personal security budget for Mark Zuckerberg is is in the millions and creeping up to the tens of millions. So like, you know, he definitely has like a significant uh, expense around personal security. So like, you know, obviously it's not like doesn't serve the entire purpose of a military, you know, a corporate military, but you know, there, there's definitely um, some precedent. It's a very, it's a very strange world, right? Uh, obviously another precedent are organizations like, uh, you know, what was the company formerly known as Blackwater, which, uh, you know, is a private privatized military contractors, right, that can be hired. So it's effectively like mercenary armies, you know, so that that becomes a really interesting precedent as well. I mean, th these are very like super wild conversations because, you know, we're really talking about the establishment of novel sovereigns. And, and you know, and, and the thing that I think is is puzzling to a lot of people are that these decentralized open source projects are basically uh in a sense they're kind of purely consensual so you know that that's that's what that's the only that's what makes them competitive right is that like if you don't if you don't like what's going on there like just leave and and if you do like it come on over yeah i think uh i think there's something is to be said about you know what we're seeing is more of a market farming around you know uh farming there's a yeah there's a market forming around you know basically where you choose to kind of pay or you know store your capital pay your taxes right and you know you can pay the ethereum miners for example yeah um, you can pay the you know the the access holders uh, by uh paying the marketplace commission <laughs> um so yeah I, th I think it's you know what we're seeing is a more of a competitive market around you know who, who people identify as and uh, yeah, I think, you know, crypto blockchain is really the only movement uh, against, you know, a lot of the forces in the world that people are becoming increasingly aware of, aware of, right? I've, I had friends messaging me, you know, not to, for not for the first time, not just like, oh, should I buy Ethereum? Should I buy Bitcoin? Um, but as saying, hey, like you got you guys need to, you know, create some something you need to create something uh, that is, you know, it's like a social media, social network that is, you know, that cannot be censored. Um, ah. and so I'm starting to get requests like that. That's right? amazing. And that's from, you know, people who don't really own cryptocurrencies. Um, so I think the world is kind of waking up. Um, the, 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 the path to the everyone waking up is kind of painful. Um, it's kind of, and it involves a lot of strangeness, yeah. like what we've seen recently. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That's been difficult. But it's, yeah, it's just, you know, it's part, it's part of the process. Um, that's very fascinating. I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, we talked about previously was uh, Alexander Hamilton, right? Because, you know, mm -hmm. people, a lot of people were turned on to his story through the musical. But, you know, I think that it is great to look at the historical figure 
and the kind of like revolutionary aspect of the formation of this novel nation state, right? Because in a sense, like the American experiment has long been kind of focused on the idea of creating, uh, you know, this very novel democratic and, you know, specially principled society, right? So that, that's been a really interesting, uh, you know, thing. And the thing that's so fascinating is that we still have these kind of funnily geographic uh, kinds of formations that involve government. But the thing that's so fascinating about the consent and the consent of the governed from a geographic perspective is like, for example, in California, one of the recent things that we've been seeing is we've been seeing Californian citizens, particularly high net worth citizens, moving to Texas, right, where there's no income tax, right? So the thing mm -hmm. that's so interesting is that what we're talking about is, again, a case where there's kind of an opt-in around even things like taxation, Right. Where some people are like, oh, well, I can opt out of paying tax income taxes in California by moving to Texas. Right. So the thing that's so interesting about what you're describing is that these sort of geographic boundaries to these obligations can be potentially like mitigated. Right. And there are some people who are even moving uh, to Puerto Rico you know, to, to mm -hmm. kind of get escape capital gains taxes. Right. So like, you know, the, so there's definitely like this kind of really complex kind of world where there's machinations around establishment of monopoly around geographic uh you know nationalism and then there's kind of this emergent kind of uh free-flowing nomadic uh you know idea of a nation state where it's mostly just consensual right where it's basically like well you know you can just establish citizenship here and and participate as 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 you like Singapore is a great example as well, right? There's no capital gains tax. And as long as you live there for two years, I think you can become a citizen kind of easily. So I'm very bullish on, uh, you know, places like Singapore um, that, you know, basically make it easy for anyone to become a citizen um, based on residency. And yeah, basically have, you know, tax incentives or lack of taxes uh, for, for people coming in. And so I, th I think that's, that's definitely the future. Um, and yeah, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about Alexander Hamilton, American Revolution. I think, you know, the American Revolution was a result of a split in what people thought the British Empire should be about. There were, you know, basically there were some people who thought the colonies should be, you know, equal, equal um, members yep. and should be symbiotic to the to the British Empire. And there were there were some who thought that the colonies, you know, basically believed in a more extractive method of yes. uh, colonialism where you know you 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 basically use your colonies to uh as a form of revenue to basically offset and lower taxes on uh your native you know native in quotes uh citizens the central right? so, authority yeah 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 it's fascinating right i mean when we talk about the idea of a corporation that levies a private army you kind of need to look no further than like dutch east india corporation right which actually mm. did have its own private army right and this again was kind of the outgrowth of this kind of mercantilism and the kind of rise of this british imperial colony right the the imperial colonialization uh, uh you know ethos right which ultimately resulted in the american revolution right ultimately the american revolution was sort of like you know the end of like the king george uh 
construct in the U.S., right? It was basically like, I uh, no, like this, it it's it got it got to be fairly extreme, right? Like it it, it got to be uh, rose to a level of of intolerance. But uh, you know, I, I from the perspective of like the our audience, like you know, how 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 would you get into the mindset of like a Hamilton? Like you know, like I, I, we've all seen many of us have, have seen the musical, but like you know, how how do you kind of see him as a historic figure? Yeah, I think Hamilton was a kind of once in a generation, you know, once in many generation type of genius who yeah. uh, had, uh, he was a polymath, right? So he had great understanding of, uh, you know, kind of financial systems, um, also warfare. You know, he was uh, a workaholic, like he was amazing at writing and communicating and making deals. Um, so yeah, I think you know he would have fit really well uh, within with, you know within the crypto crowd. Like he would have written like really long you Twitter mean he, threads. You mean you mean he's <laughs> like Satoshi? Yeah, it's, 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 it's something of something of that. Um, some so, you know something akin to that. He was not. I I feel like I I kind of see a Satoshi as very like I don't know almost like very stable and just like uh, not as revolutionary. Yeah, whereas whereas Hamilton was a little bit more like kind of a, a manic genius in in some in some ways as well. He did get into um, that crazy gunfight. Yeah, he, you know he he had a he had a huge you know he was very egotistical. Um, yeah, yeah, but he's so he's more he's kind of actually more like you know the the average the average crypto Twitter person um, <laughs> in some ways <laughs> than than a Satoshi if that makes That's sense. That's hilarious. That's really funny. <laughs> I do see a lot of people dueling on Twitter and like, you know, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, exactly. they're he, fit, he would have definitely fit right in there. There are um, shots fired every day on Twitter, on crypto Twitter. Would, I think he would have been in one of the very, he would have been a very combative uh, Ethereum maxillate. I, th- I think, I think, I think he would, he, he would have challenged Nuriel Rubini to a, to a duel. <laughs> <laughs> 10 yards, pistols. <laughs> amazing amazing no it's great it's really interesting and you know it's been a surprising kind of romp through this kind of extremely orthogonal and emergent uh kind of macro right which is the emergence of these sort of novel non-geographic state actors you know and obviously the thing that becomes fascinating is like typically how like like the uh, the emergence of kind of state uh sort of geographic alternative states has always been like looked at very dimly by the establishment right like you know if you look at any of these kind of like um if you look at any case in the united states for example where a group of people have said well on our land we're not actually subject to the laws of the united states right so as soon as as soon as any group of people on any patch of land within the continental or non-continental u.s makes any such declaration you know, you're gonna see major like you're gonna see a lot of men with guns, right? Like, like that's that's yeah, the, so that's I think the result. I think one of the key distinctions, right, is that a physical nation state can always be seized and you know kind of attacked with the brute force of the state, whereas a digital nation state, right, it's it's more, you know, it's it's more sub there's it's easy there's more subterfuge, right? It's easier to conceal. It's harder to attack. It's more it's it's decentralized right it's like a bit like you make a small island and you say that you're a nation right it's like you have physical centralization and there's 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 a one there you know there's one single point of failure which is you know the the physical ground that you need to hold yes and um, whereas there is nothing you know you know 
with these digital nation states that you know the attack vectors are are much you know yeah but i think but i think what you're really pointing at though is i think what you're pointing at is is that really the the battlefields for the emergence of these kinds of stable entities really becomes kind of the kyc aml phenomenon right you know i mean i don't Mm. i don't you know i i tend to be actually in favor of the agenda of reducing uh, money laundering and terrorist financing, like all of the, you know, I, I, I promote those, like, let's, let's stop terrorists and let's stop criminals, you know, and so those are generally, you know, good aims. But the thing that becomes really interesting is, is in the context you're describing, uh, you know, if you can actually tie uh, entities online to physical people at physical locations who have bodies, you know, then, then the jig is kind of mm-hmm. up, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think that's one of the that's one of the debates that uh, <laughs> is really important <laughs> and to the future that we're going into. I mean, I I kind of I'm kind of of the you know I think the internet is already like used for a lot of really bad things. Yes, um, but it's used for a lot of really great things. So um, I think you know I think yeah, it's I'm I'm not I'm not so sure that you know I would need to see the research on what, you know, how much of an effect, you know, and how, how much easier blockchain makes, you know, ter- terrorist financing and things like that. It's, I'm, I, it's a good, nar- it's a good narrative for, for, you know, uh, but I'm not sure about the, you know, the scientific kind of effect, you know, the data behind it, um, which I think is probably almost impossible to uh, look at, which also makes it a, an easy thing for, for certain people to kind of, uh, says uh yeah you know we need we can't have that right yeah but, but we can't measure it so. yeah it's easy to say i'm guessing that like axie infinity is probably not a particularly uh, big target at the moment <laughs> uh, you know i mean that's a lot of people playing a game so you know it seems seems unlikely that people would use it in a nefarious way but uh you know i guess any kind of roadmap things that you can share about like you know obviously we talked about the land i think that's exciting the governance token that's exciting uh you're talking about you know more fun uh which is obviously exciting um you know so tell me a bit about like any other roadmap items for axie infinity for the next year or so yeah so i think the main um the main things to look forward to this year is are the rollout of Ronin. Um, so Ronin is our Ethereum sidechain. It's going to make playing Axie really fast, really uh, much, much more fun, cheaper, um, and, you know, kind of more intuitive. Um, so we, we actually have a test net for that uh, live right now. We have a lot of really great validators on board like Ubisoft, Binance, nonfungible.com, Animoca Brands, um, Spark. Uh, so yeah, we're, so we're really excited about Ronin. I think our community that is, you know, they really need it right now. I think like one of the things that I've said uh, recently is that, you know, you're not ready for a layer two or a side chain until your community is really begging you for it. And I think, yeah, we, you know, our community is uh, super excited for it. You know, they're kind of yelling for it, which I think is is, is, is a good sign. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited about Ronin. Uh, also the launch of a kind of new and upgraded battle system, we're calling that, you know, Battles V2. And that is also slated for release this year. That's going to come with a kind of a more intuitive uh, battle system um, that's kind of faster, more skill-based uh, talents for more customization. And so, yeah, really excited about that. And, and 
I'm all, and I think that's also going to unleash the esports scene, right? It's like actually one of the ways, also, I think to to measure fun is like, you know, is there are there a lot of people playing competitively? Are there teams forming? Um, and we're already starting to see that, and I think that that should expand, you know, expand. And also, uh, yeah, I think you know the, the people around the launch of the community treasury staking governance and for the access token. I think people are going to be really surprised and delighted by the you know simplicity and uh, kind of force of that of that system. Um, it's one thing to read about it on paper uh, and and you know go through the things that you know Delphi has designed, and there's it's another to kind of interact with it and you know uh, on a front end. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. And then yeah, land. Uh, I think we'll also make a lot of progress on this year, um, and that might be something that we don't you know end up releasing to the public uh, in a big way uh, until at least like late in the year or or, or next year um, it's kind of fascinating to talk about your layer two in the context of this previous conversation we had about taxation right because one of the fascinating things that we're seeing in the ethereum blockchain is you know because of congestion you're seeing kind of a pretty radical increase in gas prices right so you know the thing that's fascinating when you look at an axie player especially like a play to earn player you know if they're starting to pay like hundreds of dollars worth of like like Ethereum gas fees in order to kind of get simple transactions done on Uniswap, et cetera, right? That the pain gets really high, you know? So the thing that's so interesting about what you're talking about is, you know, it's sort of, there's something kind of Brexit-like about like launching a layer two, right? There's sort of this feeling mm -hmm. of like, well, we're going to have our own land and we're going to, you know, we're going to we're gonna have more capacity over here and everyone can come, you know, through this new land and enjoy lower taxes or whatever. It's it sort of, it sort of has that yeah. kind of vibe to it now that, now that you Talk yeah, you can you way. can see them. You can kind of see these uh, side chains, layer twos, as kind of colonies. Yep. Um, it's colonies, Ethereum colonies, and you know you still pay some uh, something um, to the home country in order to have. But the thing that's nice about it is, is that they become kind of sovereigns. And, you know, they, they have their own power base in the sense that, like, you know, the, what you're paying for is you're paying for visits back to your home country, right? As opposed to, you know, pay, paying for activity that's in the new world, right? The new world is very cheap and, and you know, the resources also, are abundant. Also, you need to, I, I think another thing, another, like, kind of, uh, analogy, too, is that, you know, you need to already have some people who are ready to willing to go over and want to go over right it's like kind of settling a new land totally um, agree that's right? a beautiful metaphor just, i don't think it's going to be very difficult to launch like purely on you know if to launch a new application on a on a side chain or a layer two probably harder on, a, on your own side chain um totally for agree totally agree um, it's, i think the model is still you know to launch on ethereum get you know a core community uh, that understands the vision is and is excited about it, and then when you're ready uh, to to migrate at the right time. I guess the thing that this makes me think of is it makes me think of what Elon Musk said the other day, which is he said that the Mars colony of SpaceX will not be subject to any nation's terrestrial laws. 
right, which was just kind of like this declaration of in preemptive declaration of space independence, right? Like it was just this kind of like, whoa, like it's very head bending, right? Because it's sort of like, oh, well, so that's not actually going to be the United States, or it's not actually going to be like, it's not going to be anything. It's just going to be. It might be. It might be Ethereum's like physical SpaceX physical on Mars, right? <laughs> that's all it's going to be, you know. It's but I but you know, it, which brings you back to kind of like the Blade Runner blimp that's kind of extolling a new life awaits you in the off-world colonies, right? That sort of uh, has that vibe of like, you know, populating a new space, like moving into a new domain and following new rules. Definitely. Fascinating conversation and a great rollick through like, you know, the existence of geographic sovereigns and the monopoly on the use of force and just a fascinating kind of set of core principles and a great lens through which to see this kind of remarkable emergent product in Axie and, and a great, a great, really interesting experiment. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for inviting me because yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. We got into a lot of kind of things that we don't, I don't, I don't typically <laughs> discuss on podcasts. So it's um, awesome. Fantastic. Thanks so much.